0: Welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. There's a lot of discussion going on right now about our history. Much of it is being contested by Indigenous people who got lost in the accounts of what took place so long ago and yet most of us barely know our own history very well either. On Monday, it is James Coburn Day. We acknowledge Coburn because he represented Northumberland back when Confederation was taking place. In fact, he was at the Quebec Conference in 1864. That was when the politicians representing settlers came together to create the foundation for our modern country. Seventy-two resolutions came out of the conference. Those would go forward to be the basis of the British North America Act in 1867. That's what we commemorate on July 1st, Canada Day. Rob Franklin is a member of the James Coburn Society and plays the role of James Coburn in a series of plays and public events aimed at raising awareness of local history. He will be performing his role in this interview. Oh, and by the way, I'm a member of the James Coburn Society as well just so you know for transparency. Here is my interview with James Coburn about the Quebec Conference. I'm so pleased to have with me today, James Coburn, our Father of Confederation and the first Speaker of the House of Commons. Welcome to Consider This.
1: Why, thank you, Robert. It's very nice to be here.
0: Let's start at the very beginning. There was a meeting in Charlottetown in September of 1864. Can you tell us about that meeting?
1: Oh, a very interesting meeting. I I did not have the opportunity to be there. You see the, the delegates from the Canada's were, it was a very select group at the time. Uh, the Maritimes were meeting themselves in Charlottetown to talk about confederating the maritime provinces together into one entity. But John A, he, he was certain that this was the opportune time to go and speak to the correct people, all of the delegates from the various maritime provinces and talk to them about a grander vision, something where we could become some form of our, our, our own entity rather than only just the Maritimes, a confederation, if you will.
0: Now, a few months later, a conference in Quebec was held. I believe it was in October and ran between the 10th and the 27th. I understand you attended this meeting. Why were you selected to go?
1: Well, you see, as uh, Solicitor General for Canada West at the time, I I was one of the ministers that was selected to go uh, with the understanding of of the law uh, to support John A. He was Attorney General of Canada West at the time and needed someone else to help share the load.
0: What is the role of a Solicitor General?
1: Well, you see a solicitor general is, is mainly in charge of the law, the law enforcement. The attorney general drafts them and you see the, it's the attorney general's role and the solicitor general has to go and enforce them. My role is, as I foresaw was to, to help in the drafting of some of the clauses. I was not as well uh, documented as many of the members who went. They owned all their own newspapers. Uh, George Brown owned the Globe. Tupper had the British columnist, Tilly had the morning news. Uh, every province it seemed, many of the delegates, over half actually owned their own newspaper and expounded in great lengths upon their own political views in those newspapers. Not having those kinds of opportunities here myself, I, I w- had hoped to be able to go and share my views where when asked and to help with the, the drafting of the documents.
0: It sounds to me, James, like there was one group that was sort of the, the, the primary players and then there was a whole lot of others that were there in a sort of a secondary role. You were more of a behind the scenes kind of guy. Is that true?
1: Very much so. If, if you look at Bernard's notes, uh, you see he was the executive secretary for the uh, the conference itself and took extensive notes throughout the the conference Uh, you had to have minutes of of such an item beyond just the 72 resolutions that came out of it in 1864. I, I did not make many of the motions myself I was not a grand speaker at the time certainly could not overpower such strong voices as Brown, Carchet, McDonald, well I should say the McDonald's as well as there was a McDonald from New Brunswick as well as john a the members from prince edward island they couldn't agree on anything every time it seemed to come to a vote those those men from prince edward island they they would go back to their own side room have a discussion come back and turn down almost everything we voted on it it's no wonder they didn't join the original confederation
0: before we get too deep into the weeds about the details um what was the purpose of the quebec conference why was it held
1: you see, with the American Civil War, it gave us such a strong view of, of, of concern that, that England, Britain was looking at divesting itself of the British North America colonies. They, they were not really supporting us very well from a, a military perspective. And we were becoming our own sophisticated spaces where we had concerns about things such as as tariffs between the provinces, international trade, currency, post offices, uh, if you can uh, imagine. But one of the key things was an intercolonial railway to link the central parts, the Canada's east and west, and the Maritimes, where the major ports were for the shipping of goods to Britain and around the world.
0: What are the differences between powers of the province and the federal government? Because I, I know that that was a, a big sticking point.
1: The uh, the concern was that, 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 that's right, within those resolutions, that John A. was quite concerned of, with the language of, of having strong powers at the provinces would potentially result in the same kinds of things that we were physically watching going on in, in the United States where, pro, where each state was fighting against each other. We could not have such a thing here in, in Canada. We needed to have our own spaces with a strong central government, but that the local provinces could still control their own uh, uh, destinies, can control things such as, as those, those local items, such as uh, uh, education, uh, uh, bridges and roads, for example. Whereas the federal government was looking at the, the, those bigger picture that those intercolonial type components, uh, uh, weights and measures, currency, taxation um, from my perspective was, was into the, the, the number of the laws, patents and copyrights, uh, naturalization, marriage. These were all federal type things that would benefit for all to have the same kind of rules in each one of the, of, of the, of the provinces.
0: Delegates from Quebec had some deep concerns regarding the protection of their unique status. Can you tell us a bit about that?
1: Well, surprisingly, they weren't hugely outspoken. They, they seemed to be sitting back in a, in a position of power. With, with Canada East and Canada West at basically a deadlock, we had the same number of delegates in our houses. Very little could get passed one way or the other from either side of the house the way the the United Provinces of of Canada East and Canada West were were organized. And it was felt that this larger movement to join together with the Maritimes, that this became the the, the third brother, if you will, in this confederation of, of controlling power and looking at that larger picture. But it was so important as well to maintain for Quebec, language, religion, education. And of course, for all of the provinces, this was an important piece to keep. The maritime provinces were just the same. They were very concerned that they would be swallowed up, um, taken on as, as, as a, a large gulp, <laughs> if you will, uh, by the Canadas, and, and that was one of their major concerns, which was why uh, originally uh, uh, Newfoundland and Prince Edward Island could not agree to, to, to join our confederation. How
0: did the conference decide on representation?
1: Oh, days of debate. Uh, The the representation for the conference itself or for afterwards in in, in what we were doing with the the resolutions?
0: With what you were doing with the resolutions in terms of voting and and in terms of
1: of democratic principles. It it was very important that the lower house be representation by population, which of course infuriated the Maritimes because they were so much smaller than Canada East and Canada West. Uh, What became Ontario and Quebec for you? We had the great numbers. They had the important ports and great resources. So it was important to link together. And what then became uh, uh, so strong was then in the upper house, it was appointment uh, positions that equalized the votes compared to the the lower house where, uh, I mean, originally uh, John A proposed uh, 24 seats for Canada West, 24 seats for Canada East, and then 24 seats for the combined Maritimes only three of which was for PEI. So this is why they were so upset with us.
0: So when you're talking about upper and, and lower, what you're talking about is uh, what would become the Senate. Um, the Senate, exactly. And that's, that's and, and the House of Commons. That's, that's what you were
1: talking about. Correct. And, and that was how we felt it best made sense to go and uh, uh, have the powers of that large centralized government government. Uh, be balanced
0: and and of course the the senate being the house of second sober second thought uh would at, at least at that time i, I would think uh, it was meant to uh be mo- a little bit more powerful than the house of commons it was to to keep an eye eye on um what legislation was coming out of the lower house
1: that that's right and again to try to balance the provinces uh together rather than only by population.
0: There were provisions for other regions to join. What were
1: those? So at that point, it was uh, originally known as Rupert's land, uh, the Northwest territories, British Columbia, Vancouver, uh, which I understand you now more closely refer to as Vancouver Island. Uh, Originally, it was felt that it would be its own space. And then we also were able to add in uh, Newfoundland uh, so that it could join us later uh, when it became very clear that the members from Newfoundland, although that they were excited about the opportunity, could not move forward with uh, uh, agreeing upon the resolutions.
0: How is all of this going to be financed?
1: Finances. A major topic of discussion. Days and days talking about financing. The provincial debts, uh, I believe it was Mr. Tully or Mr. Tupper, uh, gave a, he almost spoke for an entire day about debt and how debt could be consolidated amongst the provinces. At that point, we were about, I think combined was in the neighborhood of 62 millions uh, of, of dollars at the time uh, in debts, mostly because of the large major works of ports and railways. These were so important for trade, you see.
0: So what was the final solution?
1: It was combined together. uh, John A's resolution of of a $25 a head uh, uh, tax throughout the Canadas to pay off these debts, uh, obviously did not succeed in being passed. Prince Edward Island would have nothing to do with it. Their debt was only, I believe, $2. So they were,
0: were they able to come up with a system to finance the entire country?
1: It was complicated, but that was part of the resolutions, was to understand how we could put all of those things together.
0: How would you describe the conference overall? Was it a success?
1: I think one of the, the, the best words was a great work, Robert. Uh, a great work. Representation by population these guarantees for individual provincial identity, but at the same time, a strong federal uh, uh, government were, 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 were key to how we could move forward.
0: What role do you feel you played in creating the 72, 72 resolutions?
1: Again, I think you mentioned it uh, well earlier on, a, a supporting role. None of them were specifically made by me. Uh, I didn't speak to many of them in, in the in the discussions, but it was that drafting of them. Uh, uh, John A helped write many of them and I was supporting him in some of those roles. Uh, of the 72, I believe he wrote 50.
0: It's always interested me, James, that uh, if you ever attend any conference, whether it was in your time or in ours, that uh, while there is a, a lot of things that go on sort of in front of everybody else, that a lot of the the hard work gets done on in the on the on the sidelines in in separate rooms in back rooms where the hard negotiations go go on. Did you experience anything like that when you were when you were at the conference?
1: Well, that was one of the benefits of the location. You see, this was the, the the spot in Quebec City where uh, at that point we were having our, our temporary. Uh, um, government uh, being operated out of until they had finished constructing uh, uh, our, our new home in Ottawa. The main chamber was, was quite large, had beautiful windows looking out over the grand vistas of Quebec City, both up and down uh, uh, um, the St. Lawrence across beautiful farmland. <laughs> when you could see it, you see uh, uh, that particular fall October 1867, it rained, it was dreary, it was horrible time of, of year to actually be, be meeting. It, it rained so hard that midway through the conference, actually there was a landslide in town, it swallowed a number of houses. Some of our members walking home the one evening actually uh, uh, saw the, the remnants of, of, of what had occurred. It forced us all to have a large brandy afterwards.
0: Now, once the conference was over, that was not the the end of of the politics of what was going on. Afterwards, I I believe there was a train trip uh, for the maritime delegation, and you played an especially significant role in this trip. Can you tell us about it?
1: Certainly. Well, the conference actually adjourned partway through uh, uh, towards the last few days, and Montreal was the shift from October 28th and 29th, after the the Quebec conference itself had basically wrapped up, where we refined some of the the language of the resolutions. So after leaving Montreal on October 29th, uh, when we had revised uh, a number of minor word changes in the resolutions, uh, we took a grand railway trip, uh, actually on the Grand Trunk Railway. It was a special train organized by the chairman himself. It was a celebration, you see, of of what we had been able to accomplish with our great work of these 72 resolutions. It was an opportunity for the members of the Maritimes to come and see some of the the, the sites of the Canada's, East and West, that we went through uh, from uh, uh, Montreal to Ottawa, to Prescott, Kingston, stopping in Coburg to Toronto, and finally ending in Niagara Falls.
0: Oh, you stopped in, in Coburg? Tell us about that. That's, what happened?
1: Oh, what a grand stop it was. It, it gave me re- such great pleasure to have all of these gentlemen uh, uh, stop on this special train right here at our railway station in Coburg to come off into a, a line of carriages and actually come down to the house and have tea. It was a light supper.
0: Uh, do you remember uh, any, any of the details uh, about that? Uh, that sounds so amazing.
1: Well, it was late in the season. The, the, the gardens were no longer in bloom, obviously, uh, uh, which was unfortunate. Uh, the grounds were, were known for their flowers. But it was an opportunity to sit down, have, a, 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 have, have not quite a, a high tea, but certainly tea and a light supper, a, a, a respite from the, 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 the journey on the train. It's not always pleasant with the stops and starts of, of, of train travel and, and the bumping along the tracks. But what a great opportunity to stop here in Coburg and, and actually be able to, to show these gentlemen uh, what it was to be in a lovely small town. After the Quebec conference, what happened next? The 72 resolutions needed to go to each of the provinces to be ratified. And as I've said, uh, uh, did not, uh, was not successful in in Prince Edward uh, Island, nor in Newfoundland. After that, uh, a number of the delegates, uh, not all 33 of us, but a number of the delegates went on to London in December, uh, 1866 and ending in march of 1867 a number of them were there for quite some time where we had to take our resolutions through the british bureaucracy heavens lord monk was not pleased Uh, he being the governor general here in canada at the time the politics of the bureaucracy and the red tape the meetings with the all of these gentlemen to debate our resolutions, to discuss them, to reword them. And then finally before parliament, uh, again, resulting in in March 1867 of the parliament of, of Britain agreeing with our resolutions. And then finally passing through the Queen, Queen Victoria, so that July 1st, 1867, we would become the Dominion of Canada. Of all
0: of the events of the Quebec conference, what stands out to you most?
1: the success of those two weeks of hard work together. Uh, If not everyone agreed on the grand venture that we could be our own nation, strong, independent, uh, but still supported by uh, England. Uh, uh, This was not about rebellion away from the Queen and the strong British government uh, uh, process this was a, an opportunity to, to move forward and join the, the nations of the world.
0: James Coburn, our Father of Confederation and the first Speaker of the House of Commons, thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you, Robert. That was Rob Franklin in his role as James Coburn, talking about the Quebec Conference. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com, or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast, or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.